Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I am Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have an incredibly special guest. We are blessed today to be joined by the one and only Pastor Mark Condon. And Mark is a phenomenal human being. We're going to have a wonderful conversation. So please share this out. Share this out. You want to bless others, so share this out. And let's get this thing rolling and break through some walls. Let me bring Pastor Mark on. Mark, welcome to the show. Welcome. I'm I, thank you. I'm so thrilled to be with you today. I am honored to have you here, man. Um we recently, I don't know, when, when was that? 3 or 4 4 months ago maybe that I met you at um the Judge yeah. Ken Star gathering and and um I I just I really I just liked you, man. <laughs> and, and I have, you know, other friends that attend your church, Josh Anderson and, and Dr. Anthony. And, um, and so we came out and checked out your, your, um, your church and, and it was, um, it was phenomenal. And even my, my little girl loved it and begged to go back on the way home. <laughs> It was incredible. And it's an hour drive for me. So, um, but Mark, you've done some pretty special stuff out there in New Albany, Ohio. And um, so I, I, I'm kind of excited to hear your, um, where you came from, how it all, how it all came together for you. So um, why don't you start with um, telling everybody where, where you were born and, and raised? Well, um, I was actually born in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, believe it or not, uh, Urban Meyer and Harbaugh and I were all born within a year of each other in the same hospital. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so I just don't have their money, but I do have their beginning. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, but yeah, started in Toledo and wow. my parents, my father was from there and my father was a pastor. And, uh, and so we, I traveled around, I feel like sort of a military child kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we lived in Minnesota a little bit, lived in South Carolina a little bit. Wow. And, uh, then my dad traveled around and we, our whole family, all five of us lived in a 31 foot Airstream trailer. My dad would, uh, run around and preach different weekends at different churches. And then we wound up Pennsylvania during my teen years. And, uh, and then, when I was 17, almost 18 years old, we moved to Columbus, and that's sort of how I got into this area. Yeah. So, were you I were you homeschooled then? I guess or airstream when you evangelize when my dad evangelized, absolutely. But um, but I actually was in a, a different school almost every year of my life, and I wound oh. up graduating a year early 
when I was 17. So I had a really crazy kind of school year. Yeah. Did you, you know, I, cause I've, 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 I've moved a few times. <laughs> um, we won't go into that, but so, you know, but I, I found that like, like we were recently talking about like, I don't know, a year ago, six months, I don't, whatever it's been. Um, we were talking about moving and my little girl was like, she got upset about it. Like, no, I don't want to move school districts again and move into a new school. And did you find yourself resenting that at all as a kid, like having to leave your new friends behind and go to another school? Uh, you know, I do think there were times that I thought, you know, um, I'll miss these friends. Yeah. I don't, it just seems so normal to me. And I, I guess I always looked at life as an opportunity I looked at the future, where we were going, and new opportunities that would come more than I got focused on where I was. I guess I've just naturally always done that, and it's helped me throughout my life, you know, to constantly take the down things and and look for the positive in them. So I, I my brother, you know, I think did the opposite, and and I do believe it impacted him. But yeah. for some reason, I just I always looked at what was coming. Wow, as a kid. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, that's so your brother well, it seemed exciting, you know, like yeah. when you were leaving Minnesota to go to South Carolina. I thought, well, that sounds cool, yeah, you know. Well, the <laughs> weather's definitely me, better. <laughs> yeah, when they told me we we're gonna live in an Airstream trailer, 31 feet, all of us, <laughs> and a dog, you know, <laughs> I thought, well, this sounds fun, you know, we get to just run all over the country, you know. Oh, so, God. yeah, every every opportunity looked fun to me, and so uh, I sort of just observed things that way. Wow. So, so uh, you said you graduated, um, early and you ended up in the Columbus area at 18 years old. And, and is that when you said, okay, I'm let's, let's rock and roll. I'm going to be a pastor and, and, and make things happen. No, uh, <laughs> no, I never, ever set out, set out to be a pastor. I, I was actually very involved in music. Yeah. And uh, I went to a little a little Bible college, music college out in Dover, Delaware. And that's where I met Carol. And and I went for music. And so music was my life until uh, about eight years ago. I was I was very involved in the music industry. Uh, and so that was my life. Yeah. And I still ran around the country almost for 20 years, almost every week of my life. I was somewhere around the country, or around the world, yeah, helping wow. churches with their music programs. So, so you went to, is that a, like a four-year degree that you got then or? Yeah, it's a Bible college degree. So <laughs> I don't know how credible I always tease, you know, back. The funny thing is that college actually went kerplunk. I, I think oh, when I got geez. down, they, yeah, I think they, they finally said, if that's the best we can do, we might as well up. That's terrible. That's not true. So, so, and for anybody watching, go to, go to, you've got to listen to this guy sing. He can sing. You could sing the phone book and it would sound amazing. So like you, um, so I, I absolutely like here, here's a, a buddy of mine. that's a nationally syndicated radio host. He has a national radio show, Jay Fox. He's incredible, but that he, he says he can relate. That was his path too. So, so, okay. You graduate, but was it a four-year degree? Yes. Okay. But so, I didn't finish. I did. Oh, 
I didn't finish. It was like, yeah. Uh, You're so a dropout. Can, yes, I am a dropout for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. My wife did. My wife, my wife graduated. So of course, that's yeah. same same here. My wife, yeah, same here. So, so you, um, what when you say music? I mean, that is a, that, that's a huge. I don't even know how to say. Like, you were you a drummer? Were you a guitar player? Were you studying music theory? What 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 what's what's that mean? You know. I, I remember, obviously, I didn't graduate from the college. I, I left, but um, I grew up in the guitar. My parents, my family was very musically inclined. Uh, they were all about My dad could play about anything. And, in fact, even when I was 12 years old, uh, we made our first, back then, album. And uh, when my dad would run around preaching and we would sing. And, and so wow. I grew up around it. It was very natural for me. It was my life. It's all I knew. And... Uh, and when I, when I, but I transferred over to the keyboard in my late teens, like 18, 17, 18 years old. And so I spent my, I spent my life ministry career, however you want to word that on the keyboard. And, uh, and so, uh, when I remember I moved out to Illinois cause that's where Carol was from. And I remember the first time I actually had to lead a worship service, I, I failed miserably and uh, <laughs> I was humiliated. And Did anybody die? No, nobody and died. succeeded. <laughs> yeah, but my dreams almost did. And I remember going back to my a little apartment and just praying. I said, God, I don't have 10 years to figure this out. I really need you to multiply my abilities and help me. And, and God really did. I mean, God gave me opportunities that I just didn't, I wasn't qualified for, I didn't deserve. And he just opened up the right doors and the right avenues that allowed me to connect with some very good connections. And it was a gift from God and he just helped me. So when you say lead a service, was that like leading the music, the, the worship part of the service or the, you were the 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 main the what's that mean the worship leader I, yeah i would be okay. the one out front i i often tease you know make a joke about the fact that i i i really wasn't good enough and so that's what started me writing my own songs because i could at least figure out how to play my own songs in front of people um but that uh that sort of started me in the writing and arranging and the worship music for the christian music industry and, you know, and then God just opened some right connections that allowed it to sort of explode, you know, in churches all around the world. Yeah. Okay. So we're not, we're not going to fly past that. Um, so what happened? I mean, what your, so your music, the stuff that you were writing, like was adopted by other churches around the world? Yeah, um, probably what really started is I wrote a song called Giving My Best that uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, which is obviously they're world famous, and um, they recorded that song. And when they did, uh, they wound up winning a Grammy Award off of that project. And, of course, you know, it was up for Dove Award, and it wound up being the inspirational song of the year for 1993. That's how long ago it was. And oh that began to just sort of, open doors everywhere. 
So there's my buddy, Doug Wang, who's, who's from Salt Lake and very, very, very Mormon. <laughs> and uh, Doug knows what I mean when I say, he won't, he won't, like, he's like, I'm telling you, he might be the most perfect human I know. Um, he wants to know what you think of the Tabernacle, ta I can't even say it, Tabernacle the Brooklyn Choir. Tabernacle Choir? Well, yeah, or, yeah. Um, I, well, I was big, you know, in writing music for choirs. And uh, Jim and Carol Simbola, the pastor of the church there, are amazing people. And uh, in fact, you know, I remember Carol and I went up for the record for the recording that live recording. It was with Warner uh, Warner Alliance Music at the time. And Carol and I went that night. We'd never been there, really, never met them. Um, and so I remember, in fact, it was it was a big thing back then because they were, you know, and still, I mean, they're very very well known. One of the most you know, outside of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. I mean, they're they're like that. I mean, everybody in that industry knows who they are. And yeah. so I remember going that night and I was so moved uh, by the atmosphere, by the power of God that was in that room when that choir sang. And I remember the the symbolists took us out, Pastor Symbol and Carol Symbol took us out to eat afterwards. And the whole entire time, it wasn't just about their choir or their church or what was going on. I mean, he just would go through the people and just say, this is what God did for this person. This person was on crack out behind the church. And, and wow. now they're one of our main soloists. And, and, and this person was a model and, and, and this person did this and, and where God had brought all these people from. And it, it's just, it, it was a phenomenal experience. And of course, because of their notoriety, once they record something, then churches all around the world that have choirs would begin to sing that music. And, and so it began to open up a lot of doors. So Doug, I think, is also asking about what, you know, your thoughts are on the the choir out in Salt Lake, which I'm sure you've heard them. They're sure, sure. unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I can't say I've listened to tons of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, but I have certainly because of yeah. uh, their you know, obviously they're famous for it. Yeah, and, right. and I would listen to it for ideas really more than anything. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, a phenomenal choir, phenomenal influence, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so you, um, so that's kind of when, is that when, like, did you, do you feel like that you got like a big, like that was like a big break for you? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, because there's another choir in Nashville called Christ Church Choir. I've heard of it. And, um, and so then they recorded and, and just for people, you know, to record music and then we recorded our music and released it out and, uh, and, and just God just gave favor on it and, and helped us to uh, impact a lot of people and touch a lot of lives. And, and then I, of course, then I spent the next 20 some years traveling every week in churches and, Wow. And working with their worship programs and their musicians and their singers and writing and arranging music for the Christian music industry. So if you, I don't, I don't know how that, that works. Um, you know, money, like Zig Ziglar said, money ain't everything, but it ranks right up there with oxygen. <laughs> yeah. So at, at some point, I mean, how do you make money? I mean, is it like, does ASCAP pay you? I mean, how's that work? How do, how do you make money from that? Well, it's, you know, in the Christian music industry, obviously it's much smaller than the secular music industry. Right. So bottom line, you know, 
very few people ever make, they say, over $10,000 on writing a song in a lifetime. Wow. Uh, I was blessed. God, like I said, God opened the right doors. And and uh, and so if you monetize it, it happens in different ways. Uh, and it's it's always changing. It's different now than it was 10 years ago because of Spotify and Apple Music and all that. Yeah. Because more people are not really buying CDs. They're streaming music. But yeah. back in then, every time CDs were sold, every time, you know, it was played on the radio, I'm through BMI, not ASCAP. So, um, you know, so, yeah, you earn money through BMI. You earn money through CD sales from wow. the company. But you also, it's sort of like if you would write a book, you, you know, you have the publishing company that sells a bunch and pays you. But you also, then you have speaking up, you know, in your case, you would have speaking opportunities. Yeah. In my case, I would have singing opportunities and right. and some speaking opportunities too. But you know, they would bring so you get paid from those, and you get paid from then your own personal sales. You know that you were there. You know, um, and I did a lot of worship conferences through the years. Uh, so you know that when you're, it's sort of like you doing a conference versus a private, you know, setting to that business. When sure. you're at a conference, you're in front of a lot of people that are in that world. So that opens the doors for you to have lots of opportunities with many churches around the country. That's awesome, man. And, and I'm, <clears throat> I'm assuming that, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm assuming that you had more than one song that you wrote. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hundreds. Yeah. 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 Hundreds. Well, hundreds that made it on projects. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that made it in the trash can. <laughs> so was there like it sounds like you had a um i mean outside of moving and living in an airstream um it sounds like <clears throat> you had a a leave it to beaver kind of upbringing where um it, it sounds like everything was really it, that you had a great childhood you know, I looked at it as a great childhood. Um, you know, God, you know, allowed me to, what I thought was wonderful opportunities. I I never resented what maybe some others would resent. Yeah. And uh, I looked at it as a privilege. You know, that as a you know, I was I was lucky. I was blessed. You know, that to be in those opportunities, and then uh, and I certainly think it shaped me in so many ways. Uh, and I just believe that God does that. God positions us and, and destines us for if we're paying attention and we and we live a life that's full of gratitude versus a life of resentment. I think it depends on how you observe your life. If you're constantly looking at, well, man, this didn't work out. That didn't work out. I went to a different school every year and didn't get to have friends. And just by the time I got friends, my dad moved me and you know, if I would have lived with that kind of mindset, then that probably would have shaped me for something totally different. But I looked at all those as preparing me, even now in pastoring, I I believe that God shaped me in all the years I was traveling in churches around the country, yeah. amazing churches and some that weren't so amazing, you know, uh, but, but I, <laughs> you know, I think I learned some things like I'll never do that if I pastor, but there were many things I thought if I pastor, I want to model that because that's a successful, you know, uh, church. And, and I just believe that success leaves clues. And, and so I believed that it shaped me for pastoring infinite back when I first started pastoring again, I never set out to do that. I felt so, uh, 
unqualified and so inadequate that I thought, you know, God, I, I can't do this. I, I, this isn't my deal. You know, um, I'm a music guy, you know, and, but we have people that come from all different backgrounds at infinite. Yeah. And, and I think that was where my traveling all different kinds of denominations shaped yeah. me for the uniqueness of where I am today and what we're doing today. What you're doing today is, is, is pretty phenomenal. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm sitting here thinking like, um, you know, as you, you said, you said something like some people may, you know, I didn't resent it as some people may have resented, you know, um, and it, it made me think of those people who blame the devil for everything going wrong in their lives. Yeah. And, and, and I, I mean, I'm just being real. This is my, my humble opinion. I, I it drives me crazy when people do that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's the easiest way to avoid taking responsibility for your life. And, yeah. You know, um, what are, I'm curious if, if you think I'm right or wrong, is that, am I on the right path? Like, don't, don't we have some kind of a, a, a responsibility to God to not blame the devil for, for everything? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, I'm actually, my message is Sunday because it's Thanksgiving weekend is thank yourself happy. And, um, because I think, you know, we can so easily choose the path that, you know, the devil hates me. My parents hate me. Life hates me. My boss hates me. And it's like, you never, it's like, you don't ever get a lucky break. And, but the truth is, you know, we, God has positioned us. And, and I truly believe that every one of us have a unique design in our life for and a unique purpose in our life. And God uses all the hurts, all the wounds, every, Every hurt, every rejection, everything that's ever gone wrong in my life, I look at it as it shaped me for this amazing, you know, amazing life that I'm living now. Do I have bad days and do I have pity parties sometimes? Sure, I do, you know, uh, but I have to sort of yank myself out of it and just say, Mark, do you realize how blessed you are? I remember one time, a couple of years into pastoring Infinite, I was so discouraged that I called a pastor friend of mine. And I sit there and bellyache to him for 20 minutes, you know, about, you know, why, why my life stinks, you know, and why it's not going like I think it should. After a while, he said, Mark, he said, do you realize how many pastors would love to be sitting where you're sitting right now with your kind of troubles and your kind of problems? And I mean, they would give anything. I remember driving away that th day thinking, well, wow, that's so true. God, you have been so good to me. And, and, and I, and forgive me for, you know, being such a baby about my little problems when other people have so many, you know, worse things. And, and there are people thriving on the problems that you think is going to take you down. Yeah. And, but you realize I can thrive in this. And I tell you, it shifted my ministry uh, that day. And it was the best thing. I think everybody needs a truth sayer in your life. Everybody needs someone that can just get in your face and be honest with you and say, you know, listen, you are focusing on the wrong things. And we all know what we focus on expands. And if yep. you focus on the problems, then you're just going to be a crap magnet and just get more stuff into your life. Uh, but if you focus on the good things, I believe that, you know, like we were on the lot for 18 weeks when COVID hit. 
and we were on a parking lot between dumpsters that didn't even match, you know, and I mean, we couldn't put our lyrics up. I mean, everybody brought their lawn chair. We got rained on. One Sunday, they they re yeah they resealed the parking lot, and we all were high by the end of that service. I think you know people left with headaches. It was I mean it was horrible. But you know what? We fell in love with that opportunity. And now you ask any of our church members, and they'll tell you that was eighteen of the best weeks of our seven years. Right. Um, I mean, God did so much for us, and now we sit in this amazing facility in the middle of the second most affluent community in Ohio and in a, in a building that's we're debt free, you know, yeah. and God has done all this. And I don't think it would have happened had we sat there and sucked our thumbs and complained, you know, and said, wow, everybody else has got a great building, but here we are, you know, stinking it up on this plant or on this, you know, parking lot. But, you know, we had faith in, in, in the middle of the world kind of falling apart you know, we chose the option of faith yeah. and God honored that faith. And, yeah. and I mean, and I believe it was a catalyst for what God is doing uh, right now. Is that weird to see my name up on that's, that's my wife, Jill, you know, Jill, <laughs> she's on my fan page commenting. Um, but so, you know, I, I think that um, I, I want to go back to like your, your, you're traveling the country in the music business before infinite church existed. Um, and cause I do, I, I, I want to, I want to get into the story of how you decided to go, but we'll get there. Um, but so you're traveling all over doing the music, music thing with churches all over. And was it globally or just in the, in the U S globally, wow. but mostly, mostly in the U S but it was globally. But you were traveling all over helping music ministries and, and, and yes. it, wow, that's incredible. So at what point did you go, um, you know, I think I want to get out of the music business and into the pastoring business. <laughs> well, God had been dealing with me for a while about it, but I just, I didn't understand I just questioned it, I guess. I, I, you know, I didn't know. Sometimes God begins to speak to us and we're like trying to figure out, is that you? Is that me? You know, uh, what's my agenda behind this? What's the right motives behind this? And, and so I wrestled with it for a long time. And I, I was in Houston doing a worship conference and uh, I woke up one morning and my shoulder, I felt like I'd slipped on my neck wrong and had a kink in my neck. And I called my wife. It was a Saturday morning early. And I just told her, I said, man, I feel like I've been hit with a truck. I do not feel well. Had no idea what had happened to me. Uh, but I got up, taught for four hours, caught a plane, flew back to Columbus. And when I was walking through the airport, I had a big case of CDs and product and stuff. And, and I mean, it hit me again in, in my neck and almost dropped me to the ground. And wow. it was so bad. And I didn't know what was going on because I'd always been pretty healthy. I've never been, you know, I've never been in a hospital, never had any problems. And this happened again on a Sunday after church, after I led worship uh, at the church. And then I got up on Monday and it crushed me again. So finally, you know, Carol, like most wives, she's like Googling what's going on with me. And um, so we went in. And had some tests done. They just thought, well, yeah, you know, you probably, they didn't do a good job, honestly, I think. But so Tuesday morning, I wake up and I mean, I am in such severe pain. So and it's still in your neck. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. And so, you know, that muscle you have right there, like, has everyone ever pinched it? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what was happening is that muscle was just like, it felt like someone was grabbing it and just pinching the fire out of it. Wow. So I, uh, Carol rushed me to the urgent center to, to, for them to say, Mr. Condon, you're having a heart attack right now. And uh, so they rushed me to Mark Com Mount Carmel East wow. and heart center. And, and uh, they told me, you've been having what we call crescendoing heart attacks, meaning they're getting worse and worse and worse. Come to find out my main artery, what they call the widow maker was 99.9% uh, .9 blocked. Uh -huh. And uh, they, you know, they said, it's a miracle that you are here. They said, most people never make it. And of course that really began to, you know, I didn't know, I'm questioning my God, am I going to live? Is the rest of my life going to be sitting in a, you know, chair? Wow. You know, I didn't know what that meant. And of course it really, it really changed my thinking and my kids all came in. And I remember writing a song earlier that year called peace of God, cover me. The title is cover me. And it, it went viral. And there's been like over a million views of that song. And wow. I remember, uh, that night sitting in the hospital, my kids went home, Carol's sitting there at my bedside and on my phone, I begin to play my own song, you know, that said, peace of God, cover me, cover me when I'm hurting, cover me when I'm not strong, cover me when I'm going through the storm and uh, cover me when all seems hopeless. And at that moment, I was so, I was so overwhelmed with what was going on in my life. And Again, it's a. I did. I questioned. I said, "God, what in the world? I'm running around the country trying to do what you want me to do, help churches and lead people into the presence of God. Why am I going through such a crazy trial? I'm only 47 years old at the time. Wow. You know, I've never had a problem. Why? Why me? You know, why me? Why? I don't think my kids are ready to live without me. Um, you know, and I, you know, I was very scared to be honest with you. And and so I went. I had a huge Christmas tour. Uh, scheduled around the country and and uh, and churches had been working hard and spent a lot of money, you know, and so I, I was worried about letting them down. And, and so I, I canceled quite a bit of my schedule, but I, I saved the Christmas tour. And, and over the months going through rehab, you know, God really began dealing with me. And I remember it was in the spring of 2014, uh, actually 2013, uh, that I remember it was a Sunday night. I had done this music thing at the church and, and I just felt like God spoke to me and said, you're done here. You know, I was a, I worked for a church and, and I felt like, you know, God just spoke to me and said, you're done here. This is, you've done all that you can do here. I want you. I've been trying to get a hold of you. I've been trying to get your attention, but you're not paying attention, you know, and I've had to slow your life down so you can process what I really want you to do in this next phase of your life. You know, and I was scared because, man, I built a lifetime developing these connections and these networks and these relationships. And, yeah. you know, thank God, what if it's not you? You know, what if it doesn't work? What if, my, you know, then I'll lose everything I've worked a lifetime for. And what if my kids say, no way, dad, I'm not doing that. You know, if they leave, Carol will probably leave, <laughs> you know. And, um, you know, wow. I, was, I was so scared to do something that I didn't feel like I was qualified for. And. And I thought, what if people don't come? What if nothing happens? You know, and and so uh, you know, all what the if, all the what ifs. Yeah, and and then you sort of get to a point, you know, you say, well, 
man, what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, I just about died, you know, so I mean, I, at least I won't die. You know, I may lose everything I have, but you know, what if it works? What if we can change Columbus? What if we can begin to touch people's lives and put marriages back together? And what if we can take some heroin addicts and get their lives straightened out? And what if God can use this to bring people together to love him and develop a strong life? And, and what if God can begin to restore people's lives? And so I begin to what if to change the what ifs if it doesn't work to the what ifs if it does. And, and I threw, there was no plan B. When we stepped out to plant Infinite Church, I, I literally walked away from everything that was comfortable. You know, they say everything you really want in life is just outside your comfort zone. Yep. And, and so, you know, I, I left everything that was comfortable and our entire family threw everything into, you know, uh, touching people's lives, adding value to people's lives and saying, you know, God help us. And, and so we, we just did it with everything we had. I, you know, and, and just so, I mean, you have the, you recently, like me, you recently got the blue check mark next to your name on Facebook and, and it's because of what you've done in the music world yeah. more than likely. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and so, I mean, you, it sounds like you are, um, <clears throat> What's the word? You're like you, you're very solid in the music world, in the 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 Christian music world. Uh, you have a solid reputation, and more than likely made made excellent financially. You probably did did well. Um, and you just said, "I'm I'm pulling the plug on all of this." And mm-hmm. and you know, I what I find interesting though is is. Um, you know, I've, 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 there, there are televangelists that, um, you know, again, I understand it's a business for them. Um, but there, there are some that are like, you know, they get up there and, and, and preach negativity about, you know, the devil's trying to kill you and, you know, and you're not, but that's not you. You didn't go. I'm going to, I'm going to blame the devil. The devil's trying to kill me with this heart issue. And, and I'm not going to, I mean, you may have questioned, Hey God, what's going on, but you didn't blame God. You, you, you flip that around. And I think that that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. I, again, yeah. And I don't think, I certainly don't want to come across. I think God gave me a heart attack, but I, but I definitely believe that God used that moment to get my attention and say, I'm trying to get your attention. I have something better for you. And I just wonder how many Mm. people never get to the best of their life because they hang on to, you know, the past of their life thinking this is Mm. as good as it's going to get, you know, but God's saying, no, I've got something better for you. If you'll let go and trust me, if you'll trust me, yet you think all your trust is in your networking and your accomplishments and your hard work, but God can do more in a few months or a few years than you can do in a lifetime if you mm. trust him. And and that's and that's what God has been doing at Infinite Church. In fact, the, even the name Infinite Church was, you know, it, in the beginning, I just thought, well, you know, I want to marry my music world with the church world, the pastoring world. And so, you know, my desire has been to release music from the church. 
And so I thought, you know, infinite worship, infinite church, we can sort of marry my two worlds together. Uh, we've not done the best job of releasing worship from the church. We've done some, but, uh, and, and we're going to work by God's grace and help. We're going to do that eventually. Yeah. Um, but even the name, endless worship, endless praise, you know, I believe that, you know, God has so many infinite or endless possibilities if we will learn how to serve God with everything we have. There's a saying that I've heard for many years, and that is, you know, serve God hard. If you give them all, everything you've got, it's easy. If you serve God easy, I mean, you're just tippy-toeing, you're just, you know, feeling it out. When it's convenient, you live for him, then it becomes hard. And, and so everything I've ever done, I just put everything I have into it because it becomes easy you know, or yeah. easier when you give God 100% of your life and totally trust him with what you're doing. Amazing. And, and it's evident, it's evident that, that, you know, of, uh, in what you're doing. Um, and, and for the record, you have the very best music ministry I've ever experienced. <laughs> like Jill and I were, you know, when we're there, it's like, oh my gosh, it is unreal. Like it is fabulous. So yeah, thank um, you. We got well, a bunch of great people that work hard yeah, and, they, yeah. it's, and it's their passion. So we're, we're blessed that God has helped us in that way. And it's a focus. I mean, yeah. Again, what you focus on expands and we put a lot of effort behind it because I, I, we say at the church, we, we built infinite church on two things. What's great to God will be great to us. And if you go through the Bible, you see there's the great commandment, which is love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there's the great commission, which is go tell somebody about Jesus. And we break it down. You know, every one of us, I believe if we know him and make him known, then, then God is going to use us and be with us. And so, you know, worship is knowing him. Worship, and when we come in together on Sundays, it's about, hey, let's just forget all the things that are going on in the world in, the, in this life, and we're going to totally focus on loving him, worshiping him. And then, then we spend the rest of the week saying, I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to show you what he's done in my life and what he's doing in my life. And, and I just believe that's a successful recipe for joy in our lives. Yeah. It's, 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 I wish everybody watching, which they're all over the world watching, but, but I wish everybody could come to Columbus and experience infinite church. And honestly, you can, because it is, it is on the internet as well. You can, you, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, so, so when you started this though, you said, I mean, it's a pretty broad statement that that we you know me and my family we put everything into it but where like how does like okay let's say that today here sitting here in marion ohio i said all right i'm gonna start a ministry we're starting a church babe <laughs> i'm tired of driving an hour so, <laughs> like um but how did how does that happen like my wife would look at me like i had a third eye in the middle of my forehead and say what are you talking about how does that happen? You just go out, start scouting out buildings, or do you do it in the living room? Like, how does it happen? Oh, that's a big question. First of all, can you need to understand that a church alive is worth the drive? So it's worth that hour drive on Sunday. <laughs> Why do you think we drive, dude? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, so I I love it that you and Jill and Abigail come. So anyway, you know, it's like. I would say it's similar in starting a, a business that you really feel is going to be a world-changing business. You're going to spend time 
we spent nine months preparing and uh, we spent nine months uh, attending, you know, I sent, sent our team to many different churches and successful churches that were five years and younger, actually three years and younger. And I said, I want you to get the common denominators. We're going to find the common denominators of why you feel like this church is successful because success leaves clues. Just like if you're going to start any other kind of business, why wouldn't you go check out, you know, a bunch of business that are already doing that and say, you know, what are they all doing that's working? And so when we started Infinite, we spent two months on the first seven minutes of Infinite Church. Like when you pull on the parking lot, you know, how do you feel? Because I think most people make their choices on whether they're going to like this church in the first seven minutes. Do I feel at home? Do I feel, uh, you know, do I feel welcome? Is it awkward? Does it smell? Is it nice? You know, all those things, you know, we wanted to touch every sense of people's lives when they walked on. And so we have a bunch of people that will greet you in the parking lot when you're pulling into infinite, all the way to the signs. They're holding signs. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And all the way through dropping your children off and I kids, I mean, God knows we're not going to drop our kids off someplace that we're not comfortable. And right. so if, it's, if it doesn't look clean and the teachers don't look like they got it together, you know, you're like, ah, no, thanks. They'll sit with me, you know? Yeah, and right. so, uh, so then, we, and same thing, when you come to the auditorium, we want, we want people to realize you are about to have, not just go to church, you're about to have an experience with God. And, wow. and, and so we, you know, we try not to, uh, we try to let it flow. We want great worship. We're going to get right from, we don't do a lot of preliminaries. Uh, we're going to get right into great worship, right into preaching, and uh, and and then allow people to you know to get out and what we want people to walk out of there thinking, what what did I just experience? Um, I can tell you that that it's working. <laughs> like we've walked out of there and said, what did I just experience? And, I mean, it's it it is it is incredible, and I love. Um, so, so my friend, Pam Aubrey, her dad's a, a preacher. He's, he has, he has a, a, a church. She grew up in that. So, um, oh, I didn't know Sandy Archer is a past pastor. Wow. Yeah. Let me yeah. say this. If Jill said to you to start a church, if you're not called, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Planning a church is a hiney kicker and I, yeah, it'll, it'll have your emotions running up and down. I mean, you know, because you're, there's the human side of you, yeah. you know, that we, you, you see people, you want people to succeed more than they want to succeed themselves. And, yes. and, and you can't make people love God. You know, you can, you can try to encourage them and inspire them, you know, but it, it, it can get so frustrating when you see people, you know, like, man, I'm preaching it. I'm giving everything I've got but they act like they just don't care, you know, and, and that can be really, you know, that's, that's a high knee kicker, you know, and, uh, and it can play with your emotions or, you know, if someone leaves, you know, it's hard not to take it personal because you feel like, man, what could I have done to be a better pastor? What could I have done to, you know, to love them more, you know, and, and it's not, it's not necessarily about you. Some, and most of the time it's about them, what they need to do, but it's hard not to take that personal because yeah. you, you want, you love them so much. And I've had people like that just rip my heart out because I love them so much. And I watch them make mistakes and, and I've watched people 
I mean, young people that have lost their lives and that I was reaching for them yeah. and, and they didn't hear it. They didn't listen. And now they're gone, you know, forever, you know, yeah. and we've had people that come in that struggle with heroin and, and you're like, man, I got maybe one shot, you know, to help them transform their lives and, and introduce them to Jesus that can change everything for them. They've had a life of hell in probably the way they grew up in their childhood. And, and we may have one shot. That's why when you come on Sundays, Ken, it, it, Every Sunday matters to me because we don't know who's sitting in that auditorium that, you know, that may be the day that changes everything for them. And so we give it everything we've got in hope to let them know that Jesus is the answer for everything. Wow. Do you guys get it now? (laughs) Does anybody get it? Do you understand why we drive an hour to go to church? Dave Anthony is on here and he says, you're, you're the best pastor, dude. Like I'm, am I allowed to call you dude? Um, like yes. it, it's so true. And Dave, pastor is one, what pastor, dude, pastor, dude, pastor, dude. I am telling you, man. <laughs> like Dave, Dave, Anthony, Josh Anderson, couple of long-term friends of mine that, that are both members at infinite church. Um, and, I don't even, I don't think I, did I know that Dave, yeah, I did know that Dave was, was, was there. Um, cause it was him or Josh that invited you to the. the Josh invited me to the, Josh. yeah, to the, yeah. um, to yeah. the Ken, uh, star. Ken star. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, so, um, and Jill's on here. Everyone is so welcoming and caring. And that's a reflection of, I mean, you're the leader of the church. And, and at the end of the day, the, it's the, the, the onus falls on you. Like it's right. Like you're the leader of the church outside of, of God. I mean, it's that you're the one. So like the experience that people have, whether they, um, are greeted by somebody rude or somebody with a loving, kind heart and spirit that that falls back on you. And I can tell that you're one of those people that takes responsibility for that. Yeah. You know, obviously it does fall on me ultimately, but we have an amazing team of people um, that just get it. They get the vision. And, and you know, this can, everything rises and falls on vision and leadership. And, and, and we have an amazing team and an amazing church of people. We've had 204 guests in the last seven weeks. Uh, I can't do that individually. That's a church of people that love their church and are inviting people to come out and say, you got, you just, I always say it can't be explained. Uh, it can only be experienced. You just got to, you know, but I, I will, I, I'll say when I had COVID and I was really, really sick, you were texting me almost daily. You, you, we talked on the phone. I, I had, had, had I, I think I'd been, yeah, I'd been to the church one time, Yeah, one time. Um, you have hundreds of other people that you're responsible for, I guess, is the, the words. Um, and you're, you even called me at one point and, and prayed with me over the phone. I I, I just, you know, which you, I don't know that you know this and I want, I want you to know this and this isn't me trying to get your ego to take over. It's, it's me 
giving you props, man. You're you're incredible. And and your love for God and 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 the movement of what you're what you're attempting to do and doing well is is incredible. It it, it shows. Well, thank you. You know, Ken, I think every person matters. And and I don't do a good job all the time. There's certainly there's times that I miss, you know, a, a call or a text and 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 of course I grieve, you know, when I when I feel like I've hurt somebody because I, I wasn't there at the right moment. But uh, again, I'm thankful for a great team of people that helped me, you know, to pastor this church. And, and we do it through life groups. I always tell our people, we can pastor you best if you're in a life group, because, you know, that's where you can make connections. And I always say the church will grow at the speed of relationships and those connections. And, uh, you know, we have so much to do, so many things I want to um you know, get to see God do in Columbus. I believe Columbus needs a church like Infinite Church to rise. Not that there aren't others because there are others that are doing it. But uh, I believe we are responsible for our circle of influence and nobody can reach, you know, can you and Jill can only reach a certain group of people because you have influence in their lives. They're in your circle of influence. And if you don't reach them, then where is their eternity? And that's a pretty heavy responsibility. I, I don't know all your people. And so I want all of Infinite Church to realize God has given you, individually you, the ability to reach, love, add value, strengthen, encourage people. And you do that through your breaking through wall, you know, breakthrough walls program and 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 who you have on. And, and God, we all have this purpose and destiny, whatever job or career we're in, God wants to use us to touch people's lives. And, and by the way, I'm really grateful that you're doing well. <laughs> uh, yeah, so am I. I, yeah. I. Doug Doug had the entire Mormon church praying for me. I'm not kidding either. Like, yeah. it was uh, just so many. And I, I and again, I'm grateful for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm silencing my dog. Hey. It's all, it's all right. We have dogs. Um, <clears throat> so... So you you started Infinite Church. Where did you start? Okay, we started at Creekside in Gehanna, and it was a it got deal for us. We had a church that had been planning there, and they uh, they bought a building and moved. And they called me and said, "Hey, would you like to have our space?" And I said, "Man, I'd love to, but I I, I mean, we're just starting. I don't know if we have the finances to do that." And he said, well, just come look at it. So my wife and I are driving there, and and I I, I told Kara, I said, now, don't get your hopes up, which is like everything opposite of what I really believe, you know, because I'm like, <laughs> right. get your hopes up, get your hopes up. <laughs> right. I told her, I said, don't get your hopes up, you know. So we go there, and sure enough, both of us, we get our hopes up, and because it was like perfect for us to start. And and so we, uh, we looked at the building, and he said, would you like to have it? I said, man, we'd love to. He said, but I really, you know, I said, we're – you know, I'm, I don't know how this can happen. It was $8,000 a month rent and that's no rent for a, a wow. new beginning church. And, yeah. and I said, man, we just can't afford that. He said, well, what could you afford? And I said, well, I mean, probably our top of our budget would be $2,500 a month right now. Uh, Cause there was just about 20, 20 of us. In fact, there's I was going to say your congregation was your kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And uh, so we, uh, we, we, he said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll give you the rent for 2,500 bucks for 18 months. And then you can, if you can do more, he said, uh, we'll pay the rest of it. So they paid, I mean, 
I can't remember exactly what it was now, but it was well over sixty thousand dollars in rent for us. Oh my and, gosh! Uh, so we started there. We outgrew that. We went to a convention center at Creekside. We outgrew that. We went to a middle school. Uh, we didn't outgrow that. We got kicked out because of COVID. <laughs> and then, then we went to the parking lot. And what parking lot was that? Okay, we had office space at Taylor Station Road. Oh. Uh, in Dehanna and at a like a warehouse kind of place, and it was ugly. It was a warehouse. Yeah, you know? the, yeah. The, the video Dave Anthony did. Did you see the, the day one when it was raining? When it was raining, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave, so Dave, you could hear him laughing. <laughs> Dave was laughing because he thinks it's funny, but we're get, we're getting dumped on. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, and I remember him saying his kids thought that was the best church service they'd ever been to. I mean, they're running through mud puddles and everything else. So it was crazy. Yeah. And, uh, but we had we had $60,000 that we had saved up. And so obviously nothing that you could buy, not even a down payment on anything in your hand, certainly New Albany. Yeah, right. And, and so I remember going to God. I said, God, you know, this is going to end and we won't have a place to go. And we've got all these people. What are we going to do? And um, we looked at this building and someone told me, well, if you had $600,000, that would be enough for a down payment. Well, taking us six years to get 60,000. I said, that's impossible. We'll never get, you know, we'll never get, you know, $600,000. And uh, I remember coming to my office one Sunday afternoon and, and just praying. I said, God, we need $600,000. And, and I, <laughs> Again, not in an audible voice, but I felt like God just impressed upon me and said, why don't you ask for three million? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, right. You know, and he said, well, if I'm going to do a miracle of 600,000, I can just as easily do a miracle for three million as I can for 600,000. And I thought, well, that makes sense. You know, so I walked out and I remember I walked out in the living room and told Carol, I said, I believe that God wants us to raise three million dollars in 30 days. And... <laughs> And Carol, you know, wanting to be the supportive wife and not think that I've gone nuts, you know, uh, she's, you know, she's like, yeah, yeah, I can do that, Mark. Let me make you a sandwich, honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so I remember uh, calling one of the members in our church and said, hey, you know, um, I believe that God wants us to raise three million dollars in thirty days, and he said, yeah, I think we can do that. He said, we'll give the first two hundred thousand now. I about like needed to put a padded helmet on and run around my office because I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. You know, I mean, we'd never have given, I don't think we'd ever had anyone give $10,000 in six years, let alone $200,000. Then I called another family and said, yeah, we want to give 100000 And oh so gosh. in a matter of a couple of hours, we had raised $300,000. And um, Wow, 10%. So What's that? I said 10%. Oh, yeah. I knew then that God was up to something incredible. And so um, I went on Facebook and said, hey, we're going to raise $3 million in 30 days. And we, we failed, but we did raise $648,000 in the month of June. Through That's where the whole social justice thing was going on. We're smack in the middle of COVID. And, and we raised $648,000. And then... Wow. Throughout the summer, we had more giving. We wound up with about 680000 That's when we found the Noah's Event Center, and they wanted $3.4 They dropped it down to $2.9 million, and we made them an offer for $2.1 with a charitable receipt of $850,000. 
there was 13 different owners that owned that building. And wow. so we it took months and we got the financing. We were going to finance uh, 2.1 million. They accepted the offer and we were going to finance $1,470,000. We were going to put down $630,000 and eight days before closing. Now, I truly believe that God was going to do this miracle, but however he did it, I was going to be grateful for, it. you know, so, but eight days before closing, a pastor that I, a friend of mine that I'd known for many years, not very well, just very, you know, casually, he called me and said, hey, would you be interested in our church? We have a small group of people just merging with you all. And I said, well, let's get together. Let's talk about it. And so we did. And, and so they voted eight days before closing. They voted unanimously to merge with Infinite Church. It was about 30 people. And then he said, hey, one more thing. He called Carol and I. Carol and I were in Tennessee at the time. He called us and said, hey, we just voted. They were on speakerphone. We were on speakerphone in the car. He said, hey, we just voted unanimously that uh, that we're all merging with Infinite Church. You could hear them all excited. We were excited. He said, oh, one more thing. He said, I think we need to tell you that uh, we also just voted unanimously to send you a check tomorrow for $1,470,000 so we could all pay cash for this building. And so I, honestly, I was like, my heart began to race. <laughs> and I thought, my God, I hope I live to see this. You know, and you know, I said, don't take me now, God. Don't take me now. I want to see this through. Oh, and so in wow. case, well, the next day I called the, the bank and talked to, through a Zoom call, talked to the finance guy and said, man, I don't know how to tell you this, but we don't need you. And <laughs> we're going to pay cash for this building. And his face was hilarious. I mean, it was it was awesome. And, uh, <laughs> and so we, we wound up paying $2.1 million and then we gave them an $850,000 charitable receipt. And here's the kicker, two kickers. Number one, when they appraised the building because they they needed to appraise the building, yeah. they had to appraise it themselves as well because of the eight hundred fifty thousand dollars charitable receipt. Right. Well, they valued the building at three million twenty thousand dollars, and we walked into that building paying cash, debt free, and and once again, wow. we don't owe anybody anything. God has been amazing and worked through so many people from people from thirty two different states and seven different countries gave towards us getting in that building. And, wow. and then what wow. was so cool is my daughter's a real estate agent and there's a real estate magazine that comes out to all the real estate agents in central Ohio. It went down as the most, it won an award for the most unique transaction in a real estate transaction in all of central Ohio. So it was, it wow. was pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> That, that is the understatement of the year. That is yeah. absolutely unbelievable. So, okay. I, and, and I know we don't have a lot of time left. I want to, we'll wrap up here in a second. Why doesn't that happen for everybody? Well, first of all, I don't, I don't know if I totally know the answer, but here's what I do believe the answer was for us. I believe that God is looking for people to trust him mm. and step out on crazy, radical faith. There's something about Amen. all of us, Ken, that says, I don't want to put myself out there because what if it doesn't work? I don't want to look foolish, and I certainly don't want to make God look foolish. 
And when I put that out, we were raising 3 million 30 days. I had pastor friends from around the country that private messaged me and said, Mark, don't do that. That's going to, that's going to wreck your credibility. And, and I honestly thought about that, you know, and yeah. but something in me, I believe when you know that God has given you a promise, then you better step out of faith. And I believe that God is looking for more people to be bold and to step out on crazy, radical faith. What is it that God's asking of you? What is it that scares the, the poo out of you? You know, I mean, <laughs> what is it that makes you think, my God, this could go horrible? But if God is in it, then... Yeah. You, we have so many churches now, Ken, from around. The, I can't even begin to tell you how many calls that I've gotten from pastor friends around the country that are in the same boat as we are. That say, man, can you tell us what you did? Can you tell us how you did it? And and my answer is, I don't have a formula that says do this, do this, do this, and you'll have you know the, the money to pay for your building. What I can tell you is trust God. Ask God what is it he wants you to do. And no matter how crazy it is, do it. If God tells Moses, strike the strike the river and, and it'll part, how dumb is that? I mean, there's nothing logical about parting the sea. You no. Know? And, you know, can you imagine what he thought when he, when he went to, you know, put his mantle over that? You're like, okay, this is going to look really, really dumb if this doesn't happen. The people are going to lose faith in me. But I believe that God did it not just for us, but I believe that God did it in a season of COVID where people are fearing and doubting like crazy. I believe that God did that to let the world know that God can do anything. He's infinite. Oh my goodness. Wow. What a, what an incredible story. And for somebody asked if you, if, if you're online and yes, you are go to infinitechurch.org. Um, and I believe social media, if somebody would type that into the comments, um, infinitechurch.org, so it's clickable. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, Pastor Mark, um, we love you. We love, we love Carol. We love the church. Everything that's, that's going on is amazing. Um, what is, is there anything else that you'd like? I, I have to ask this last question. Cause I, I ask this, um, is the last question every time. Um, you know, there are people who believe that, that money is the root of all evil. <laughs> and you just told a $3 million story that I absolutely love. Um, but there are people that think that money is the root of all evil. And so they, they, they live that life and, and, and die with that belief. Um, what in your opinion is, is holding people back from experiencing financial abundance and, and true freedom and joy and happiness in life? Great question. First of all, scripture doesn't tell us that money is the root of all evil. Scripture tells us that the love of money and that if that becomes your God, then it becomes evil. Uh, we can't exist without the ability to uh, trade or monetarily, you know, uh, make impact. Infinite Church has given well over $400,000 to missions projects. Uh, just a week ago, by the, because of the people in our church, the generosity 
we were able to send $29,300 to some projects in Malawi, Africa. Um, so it takes money to touch people's lives and make lives better for people. It takes money to dig wells. It takes money to feed people. It takes money for all of that. So it's not, you know, if the church or if an individual, you know, if their God becomes money, but their God, it doesn't, man, there's people that are broke that money is their God. You know, I mean, yeah. so I, I have learned that some of the most generous, kind, loving people have money because mm -hmm. money doesn't have them. And Amen. so, uh, you know, I, I think giving sort of keeps greed away because we can all become greedy. That's why it's important for us to be generous and give and touch people and help people because it keeps greed from us. And yeah. so uh, I think every, you know, everybody, you know, uh, needs to understand it's not money that God's against. It's, it's when we make it a God and that's, it's as simple as that. Yep. And, uh, so I think people, it's, it's right for them to try to improve their lives. It's right for them to try to, you know, uh, I'm not one of these preachers that think you give 10 bucks, God will give you 20. Uh, I, I just don't, <laughs> God is a God of principle. Yes. And he's not a respecter of persons, but he's a respecter of principles. And yeah. when you abide by his principles, then you're going to be blessed. And yep. if you don't buy by, by his principle, that's not just money. That's relationships. That's everything. Yep. And so if you love people, you're going to get love back. If you sow anger, you're going to get more anger back. If you sow money, you're going to get more money. It's the law of the harvest. And that's how it works. Um, so, wow. you know, I believe that God blessed us because the very first check we ever wrote out of infinite church accounts was to Malawi, Africa, was to missions. We sent a check before we ever bought one thing, before we ever got a graphic or before we ever built a website, before we ever bought a keyboard or anything, we sent a thousand dollar check to Malawi when we didn't have any money. And uh, because I understand the principle of giving and generosity, God does uh, put his hand upon it, whether it's money that we're giving, love that we're giving, uh, you know, food that we're giving. God just always honors his principles. Yep. Um, so does that answer your question? It does, man. I And I think that I I, I would like to, um, you know, offer a, a, an iteration, a friend, a friend of mine who's a, a celebrity friend that he has a humongous following online. And he's not a pastor, but he created something called Wealth Wednesday, where he teaches the principle of giving. And he says, look, go to the grocery store, take a $100 bill, $50 bill, whatever, and go to the, the diaper aisle and, and stuff that $100 bill or $50 bill down inside a box of pampers or diapers. Yeah, and really imagine cool. being a single mom not making it and opening up a, and finding. So I, you know, that's something I've participated in. I'm sure my wife has as well. And it, because I think that like you go to Malachi three, bring the whole tithe and offering, you know, it's not just like, Hey, show up on Sunday and write pastor market a check and you're, you're good. That's not, that's not what it's about. Right. And I think right. that's what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's about the kingdom. Yes. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not my kingdom. You know, uh, it's it's about the kingdom of God and, and what we can do together to improve the world. Yes. I mean, we can sit there and complain and, 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 and foster division, or we can say, you know what? We're going to love people. We're going to love, 
you know, uh, young couples and young families and show them by good principles and good practices, your life can be far more enjoyable. Amen. Pastor Mark Condon, thank you for being here today. I really genuinely appreciate you. Uh, you're my last interview for the week. So I think what a beautiful way to wrap up a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Everybody go to infinitechurch.org and um, follow the church. It's it's amazing. And and where's the best place to follow you? On Facebook? Yeah, um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, okay. And before we go, uh, I would love to just pray for those that watch this. Uh, can love, I do that? Yeah, please. Yes. Thank you, by the way. I meant to ask you to do that, and I it slipped my mind. So I'm oh, trying to be well, respectful of your time. Yeah, let me pray. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for Ken and Jill and what they're doing to impact the world. And, and I just pray for everybody who watches this. I believe that, God, you will strategically put the right people in front of this uh, moment uh, for a reason. And I'm praying that you will bless them, strengthen them, let them realize, God, that you are so big and that there's absolutely nothing that you can't do for them. I pray that you will open up the heavens upon their life. I pray that you will let your blessings flow into their life and that, God, you are amazing. And I hope that everyone can truly realize through Jesus Christ, all things are possible. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wow. Thank you, man. That was that was awesome. That's a first on Breakthrough Walls, too. I love it. Thank <laughs> well, I'm you. glad I can be a first. I like I like being number one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That was awesome. Thank you. And uh, hey, thank you all for watching. If you didn't share this out, you can redeem yourself right now and share this out. And and um, I just man, I'm so grateful. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it, Mark. Yeah, thank you so much, Ken. I love you guys. Love you too. Hang on for me. I'm going to end this. Everybody have an, an amazing day. God bless you all. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Bye-bye.